Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I have Matthew Braithwaite and he is here to speak to me about communication and looking at the hows and whys of building solid relationships through meaningful conversations. I know we say over and over again communication is so important within families, within businesses and within general outlook of life when communication is how we can then relate to each other and find ways of working together and communication sometimes can come up with very tense situations where it just breaks down. So today I have Matthew with me and I'm so excited to be having this conversation. Welcome Matthew. Thank you. Um, So it's great to be part of this actually because communication is um, a significant part of uh, what I do really in terms of being a lawyer and partner in a London law firm specialising in private client um, advice to Uh, individuals, families, trustees, beneficiaries and family offices and much of the advice that I'm dispensing relies on effective communication not only to my clients but also uh, between the clients um, and and their family members to make sure that the the advice really is effective and um, fit for purpose. And my other um, role as well is um, where I picked up um, some of these sort of uh, the issues that seem most relevant is in the context of uh, my role as co-chair of the STEP Business Families uh, Special Interest uh, Steering Committee, uh, which is a STEP um, uh, uh, organisation. Well, part of the STEP organisation really focuses on family businesses and um, businesses um, or family businesses and families that run themselves as businesses. Um, many large families, particularly multinational families um, and with significant assets, need to ensure cohesion uh, amongst the family members and, and doing so and almost running them their own sort of family units as, as businesses as well. So many of the issues are both related to family governance as well as, as corporate governance. And again, that key issue is, is communication. Mm-hmm. And as an advisor... I know that one of the biggest issues that must come up in working with families is succession planning or business continuity. No matter how you put it, no matter what words you choose behind it, um, it's always very clear that there has to be some sort of transition from one leadership to another leadership at some point in time, regardless of how you look at it. Um, Leadership transition guarantees the continuity of a business and um, sometimes the continuity of a family business and um, the continuity of the family itself. Mm. So when we're thinking along this, how important is it to define when to start having conversations or communications around um, succession planning, especially looking at um, 
what we're going through right now in, um, in these unprecedented, unprecedented times where we have a global pandemic that's really making us look at ourselves um, and our vulnerability, uh, vulnerabilities, especially in, in the business space, in our personal spaces, and just the world around us. Sure. I think there are sort of two significant points that arise from, from that um, issue. And one of those is it's no time is ever the right time to have those discussions. But weighed against that is the importance of being proactive rather than reactive to a situation. And what I mean by that more is that you want to be uh, on the front foot, you want to be planning, actively planning for these types of events, whether they are the death of the matriarch, patriarch, the family business uh, controller, um, whether it's, as you say, in, in light of a global pandemic where, you know, the business has to shift and what does that shift entail, who should be involved in that shift. Mm -hmm. um, or other wider economic um, um, impacts on, on the business. And we often see <clears throat> at the coalface, really, situations where individuals or families haven't been proactive. And, and what you find ensues is a series of, of, of decisions that have to be made, almost, you know, firefighting the situation. They're not being made with a degree of foresight or with the benefit of um, wisdom of others who have been in that position but in a situation where they have to make a decision um, without thinking too much about it and that could be very as I say very reactive um, and may not in the long run be the right decision either for the business or for the family but one that has to be made at that time so I think succession planning and I've heard this uh, spoken about before is not so much um, sort of something you tick a box with but it's a process that you go through an evolution that you go through all the time mm -hmm. and one of the issues I think is it quite moot at the moment is this concept about sort of the next generation mm. but and working with the next generation which I think is interesting in itself but we also have to remember that succession planning has existed for for centuries and it's something as you say it's important and necessary to have to ensure the passage of wealth and control from one generation to the next and then you might ask yourself well what what's the fixation with sort of the next gen there's been so much out there about working with the next generation and i think probably we can sort of come on to talk about this but i think we're in a situation now where generate the, the divide between generations is is probably more significant than it's ever been um and it's about a education and b coming back to that idea of communication to break through some of those barriers to ensure that um, succession happens and happens um, effectively. Mm. And just the conversation around succession, like you said, right now, it um, when when there's a lot of pressure and a lot that it's going on, it it makes it a, a, a difficult topic to discuss. Mm. But even in in normal situations, um, succession gives us that feeling of um i think when you're a leader you the feeling of being a leader makes us feel like we are powerful and that people are looking up to us and that we have the answers and especially when you've been a leader for a while you and you've managed to navigate uh, the stormy um the stormy wind weather out there for uh, with your business why does it then become difficult for um 
for that conversation to happen where there's that handover of, um, of leadership. Because as I see it, I'm thinking, don't we all feel like we want to rest at some point and just enjoy the fruits of our hard labor? And what makes us feel um, as leaders, or even I'll, I'll take it from a point of view where I'm a parent. And th I think the most, the scariest moment that I'm looking forward to, but not so much, is when my children begin to drive and I have to be a passenger. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I think, I think it goes back to that feeling of um, being in control and being defined by what you've created. And I think that control feeds into, as a business owner, you, you are the one who's in um, the driver's seat. You are making those decisions and you have a sense of purpose. And I think the moment you start thinking about succession, it automatically thinks, well, you have to widen that conversation. It feels like there's a sense of fallibility about um, uh, you and the future in terms of what's, what's your role. And that can be quite threatening, I think, to the current business owner in terms of acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's trying to separate out the emotional um, feelings that derive from oneself but also thinking more widely about the business and and often people can be the victim of their own success if they don't realize actually for the business to function effectively in the future decisions have to be made uh sooner rather than later even if they're not implemented just yet but just having those conversations with the next generation as it were to 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 work out well who is there to take the business forward if if at all um, and how is that going to be mapped out in the future and, and giving the current generation who shouldn't also be forgotten for the reason that I've just raised, a sense of purpose. Is their purpose to remain within the family business going forward or do they need to think about other ventures that they could explore that gives them an equal sense of purpose, but in a different setting? Mm. Mm. And what is the best way to start having the conversation? And when I say that start having the conversation, I mean, uh, in our minds, um, at any given point in time, when we talk succession or talk about a handover takeover situation or grooming somebody to, to go into uh, a position, there has to be a converse, there has to be a starting point to the conversation. And obviously there's going to be moments where expectations have to be defined. And that's mm. probably the hardest part of the conversation when you have to start defining expectations because it's, it's okay to say, I'm, I'm preparing um, my children or my successors for, um, them to take over from this position but is it how are, are you telling them that they're taking over and and fulfilling a certain role as in are you going to take over as ceo or as a chairman or are you instead having a conversation where you are teaching them that they're going to be taking over the responsibility whether they don't become the the ceo or the chairperson they are taking over the responsibility of ownership, which can be very different from being employed by the business. So 
what is it, when is it important to, and how do you start this conversation in a way where you manage expectations? I think the starting of the conversation is using um, the current, you know, if we talk, think about the pandemic and the situation we're in and using that really as, the, as a sort of a yardstick to measure the current um, position of the business and, and what um, a threat to the business might mean in the here and now. And if there isn't a succession plan in place, that can often provoke the business owners to, to, to take steps. And that's probably a, an education piece, whether it's from their current advisor team to, to have those conversations or to raise those points for the for business owners, the current business owners to think about, or even, you know, depending on the relationship, the professional um, advisor team has with the family, it may well be a conversation that starts at a different generation level, but it's, it's brought to the attention um, of, of the business owners as something to be, to be discussed, or it could happen more organically if, again, you take the example of the pandemic and the need for businesses to be more sort of nimble, um, thinking about sort of online presence, who are the best people to be able to assist with that process. You might argue that it's the next generation who are far more tech savvy, um, have a greater finger on the policy, so it's very generalistically about the internet and, and operating online. And it might well be that all the, um, you know, discussions in the world that you have actually that very point could well be harnessed through the needs of the business itself. And it can cut through a lot of those um, perceptions that otherwise exist about starting conversations because the needs of the business are more immediate. Mm. So, you know, there's no, there's no silver bullet, I think, to, to starting the conversation. I just think it's, it's going to, for the advisor team, if there's one on board, it's about regularly having conversations with the client to get them engaged with the idea that this isn't an issue that's going to go away. As I said before, it's not a tick box exercise. It's something where you're finding the opportunity to sit down as a family unit. And it may well be, we found that COVID has been the great playing field leveler in terms of giving families that greater sense of connectivity, whether it's online through video calling or whether it's, you know, people, just collectively um, forming their own, you know, support network, support bubbles and, and having greater opportunity to have conversations and really um, building on those, um, those layers, those, those, those sort of foundations that we've, they, we've seen over the last year that have, have developed through um, the pandemic. Or if we, if we take a step back from, from COVID and think about what we, what were we telling clients um, in a, pre-COVID world, which seems like a distant memory now. And it's it's about sort of breaking down because there's a lot of perception within families or hierarchical perceptions about not being able to have particular conversations because it's a conversation you're having with, you know, parents that you don't typically, you as, as, a, as, as a child, you wouldn't necessarily wish to, to voice your uh, opinion to your parent in the way that you might feel comfortable discussing that with a professional advisor or taking it away from the family context. If your parent or your father or your mother is, is, is so preeminent in what they do, you know, stepping into their shoes is a huge um, uh, undertaking for 
a child or another member of the family to do so. So trying to take it away from the trappings of the, the family or the business setting to have a, a, a conversation that's, that's sort of away from that and what sort of conversations can you have? And one of the key trends that we've seen in recent years is people becoming more aware of um, you know, ESG um, investing and what, what really makes them, what, what gives them, um, in a sense, a desire to, to do good and where do they want to see their money invested to ensure that, um, you know, there's, there's benefit in the future and in light of issues around climate change, which aren't going away, you know, taking conversations away from the family or the family business and talking about, um, you know, impactful um, causes instead, you will probably find that actually that gives the family um, a different sort of sense of how they see each other. Because if there's a unity in terms of they, they're all united in a, a common cause to, you know, eradicate climate change, then you think, well, that creates a, a sense of unity. And from that, you can use the building blocks to have a wider conversation with that unity in mind. So I think it's about using different tools to facilitate conversations in a roundabout way. Okay. And what are some of the barriers to communication that you have um, encountered in, in the journey of uh, walking families through this succession discussion and other discussions around um, building um, a business that's strong? I think, as, as I've already touched on, I think some of the barriers are through the family relationships about mm -hmm. how individuals in the family see themselves and what voice that they feel that they have or they don't have. Mm -hmm. Barriers around um, time constraints. People don't see it as a priority because it's not something they're going to see in the here and now. It's about mm -hmm. um, how's it, a lot of the decisions that are made for the business, they're about the business in the immediate term rather than thinking about the long term. And we see that as well with regard in the context of will planning. People don't prioritise making a will because it's something it's an event they'll never see themselves to to mm -hmm. to worry about or care about but it's about mm -hmm. taking a step back and thinking about you know the, the bigger picture in terms of what happens in a particular event and as, as an as an advisor i feel like i'm constantly asking posing questions to clients that they probably you'll think they're trouble difficult questions to answer or they're questions that they just haven't thought about and you know clients who talk about sort of making will you're posing all sorts of different questions about the common scenarios you see as an advisor and it it really gives clients a sort of opportunity to to take a step back and um and and consider um sort of things differently but i think i think life just gets in the way effectively and i think it's important to to demonstrate and i think as as advisors and as as you know the, the organizations like stack it's bringing issues about succession to the fore to ensure to to show people how important it is to have these conversations about education I suppose as well as communication um, mm -hmm. and hopefully using some of those tools from you know if, if they're if they're more broadly um, in the media and people can uh, relate to them using those um, hooks to to have those conversations so no one family member feels like they're having a conversation because they want to engineer the conversation in, in a certain way to get a certain result. It's about ensuring sort of um, everybody comes equally to that conversation. Um, 
which I think is key. And the other point was thinking about it, the other uh, issue we encounter in practice is that when you ask clients whether they have a succession plan in place, if they answer yes, you then have to question, well, what does that succession plan look like? Is it a tick box exercise, which I described before, where it's not a process, it's just, well, I've written the will and I've left everything to um, my eldest son because he's my eldest and he's, a, he's, you know, he's my son, therefore he gets all my estate. And we're still living with some of these perceptions about who is the person to succeed the wealth. And actually in practice, is that person the right person? Has a conversation been had with them? Do they even want to succeed uh, and, and have and, and control the business and, and have ownership? How are other siblings uh, viewed? Is there another is there another child that's more suitable who's already involved in the business? Or you know another another difficult question is: Does anybody even want to have ownership of business in the future? That's often the elephant in the room, and I think addressing those points early on is more helpful than making a broad assumption that a succession plan has been um, formulated. The unthinkable event happens and the business can't be taken forward because there's no appetite to take it forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking um, a lot of the tools and um, things that you mentioned are amazing for families when they have the the right facilitators and the right advisors guiding them through the process. What happens in the aftercare? Um, And when I say aftercare, it's the succession itself is not an event and um, it's it's a process that is ongoing. And even the, the communication within the family is an ongoing process. And initially, when there is um, an advisor or a team of advisors walking uh, us through the the process and helping us to get it right, it seems, um, it may sometimes feel like, okay, this is very doable, we can do this. What happens when the advisor is gone? How, what, what mind frame should a family, should a family start having prior to um, an advisory team no longer being there because if they only do things in the space where they have facilitation it it works out great but then once facilitation is is gone how Mm. do we continue the journey as a family how do we continue um, practicing good communication? How do we continue having the difficult conversations? How do we continue after the, the event of intervention going into a healthier future where conversations around our wealth, our family business um, continue in a way that will then encourage longevity as well as um, really cements the values and the vision and the mission of the family. Sure. <clears throat> it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think often we talk about succession of, of the family or the family business, but equally important is the succession of the advisory team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incumbent on the advisors, the uh, advisors currently on board to think about their own relationships and how they manage the succession of, of um the um, advice to the next generation and bringing on 
multiple generations within an advisory team. If I think about my own um, practice and having working closely with um, assistant and associate solicitors and being very hands-on involved with the clients and maintaining and developing relationships. And that may well work with the current wealth holders. It works very well then for the next generation who are coming through, who feel that they've got somebody else to talk to. Mm -hmm. The perception is that you're not just mum and dad's advisor, you're about advising the family. Mm -hmm. But the other point I would wish to draw out is from my perspective as a lawyer with an engagement with a particular individual or individuals, it may well be that my engagement is constrained by who is my client. As much as I want to work with mum and dad, there's also a need to work with, you know, the children. And if the children aren't my clients, I can only do so much. Uh-huh. And that's where I think, I think bringing on third party family advisors is really crucial because they can have a more overarching view of um, the family and plug those gaps where there is um, a need uh, to get to uh, other generations to really sh- ensure cohesion. Mm-hmm. And as you say, probably a- identifying the importance of setting out a succession plan is key, but the art is in its implementation and not only in terms of setting out perhaps a family charter to give unity to the family in terms of what's the, what's the wealth there for, what's the family business doing, what's the intention for the future, what happens in a in a disruptive event, you know, a divorce or how, how a share is to be, how a share is to be dealt with, for example. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do as well is set out almost a roadmap for the future that the family will perhaps endeavor to meet, you know, on an annual, a biannual basis to talk about, set the sort of the standard agenda that the family need to be discussing if they feel that they need, I think it's probably the family may feel that they need to meet or may not feel that they need to meet, but the importance is that they do keep meeting to keep up communication. Mm-hmm. What are the most effective channels of communication? If you're looking at working across generations, face-to-face, face-to-face or phone calls may work for one generation, but do they work for another? And embracing different types of media to, to ensure that cohesion between the family. So I think as much as advisors need to think about their own uh, skill sets and mine being sort of as a lawyer but equally you have to take a pragmatic view and think well actually what works in practice and be willing and able to contribute to more practical discussions about well how do we keep the conversation going so I think it's it's as incumbent on the advisor team as it is on the family. Mm, mm, absolutely thank you so much Matthew for joining me today and having this conversation with me I think there's a lot of nuggets that um, the listeners really got from this and being able to just explore where we are now and um, what the future looks like in terms of navigating difficult conversations around COVID can be navigating difficult conversations around um, global economies around even um scares within the family or emergencies within the families, all those things um, really impact on how we communicate, when we communicate and when we engage. I would just like to give you an opportunity to just say one last final thought that you would like our audience to take away from this conversation. No, thank you. And I think going back to the point that you just alluded to, I think it's seeing this unprecedented global pandemic there's a lot of, you know, we, there is very little that we can see out of this that's a positive. But I think from a 
family business perspective, actually harnessing some of that more in touchness we feel, if that's even the word, but you know, that sort of feel of connectivity that's been, that's developed through um, this last, I'm saying year or so now, because that's where we've got to, and using it as a benchmark to measure how future-proof family businesses are. I think there's a lot we can harness from this and really use as a um, as a, a platform for for future conversations. So I'm thinking, seeing the uh, the the silver lining in the cloud here, I think it's really important to further those discussions with 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 clients and and hopefully ensuring the longevity of their businesses. Absolutely. Thank you once again, Matthew. No problem. Thank you very much.